Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of You Should Have Been a Meat Shield, a Dungeons and Dragons slash table, tabletop role playing podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the mental health benefits, the well, you know, well being benefits of playing tabletop role playing games in Dungeons and Dragons. And I have a special guest. It's really amazing to have Katie Lear here. Katie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so psyched to be here. <laughs> I'm really excited that you're here as well. And just to start off, just maybe um, could you tell us where you are in the world and your your role and what, what you do and how it's connected to maybe D&D or tabletop role playing? Yes, I would, I would love to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am in Davidson, North Carolina, which is a college town outside of Charlotte, North Carolina in the southern United States. Uh, I'm a counselor, a play therapist, and a drama therapist. So I did not initially come into my career assuming I would be doing a ton of RPGs, but that is sort of how it's panning out for me. Uh, I work with children throughout North Carolina, New York, and Florida uh, in person and online for therapy. And these days I also play uh, D&D games with a goal of social skills building with kids really all over the place, all over North America right now. We've yet, we've yet to get anybody from across the pond just because of time zone stuff, but yeah, I I hold out hope. So when did you, when would you start playing or even when did you become aware, aware of D and D or even or tabletop role playing games? Yeah, I would say like later than you might think, given how much of my career it takes up now. Um, I think I always had like a vague awareness of Dungeons and Dragons. And I think I always, I like wrote it off as something that like my dad would have done in the (laughs) seventies. Like this is a game for like nerds, like not geeks, but like nerds, like math and engineering people in the seventies. It was like, it felt like a game for men. It did not feel like a game for women to me. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, And I just assumed it was something that I wouldn't be interested in because I did not really grow up playing video games, playing a lot of board games. I was not like a sci-fi or fantasy kid. I was like very much an indoor kid, but like a of the theater variety. Like, like. uh, Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. uh, I think the original. I mean, I I didn't really. I, go, I grew up in rural Canada, and I, there wasn't a lot I knew of it as well. I was really interested in it, but I didn't have anyone around me who was playing it. But yeah. I do think you nailed it there. I think the I would definitely imagine the. I mean, I was too young for it in the early '80s, but when it was just started out, it probably would have been a very male-dominated <laughs> event. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I think it was for a while. Yeah. I think um, it's interesting because now I, I, when I'm running it uh, at my high school here in uh, just South London, UK, it's mainly girls who are playing, which is really cool. And um, there's um, one of the girls who's uh, 16 now, she's running it for the 11 year olds and 12 year olds as well. So it's been amazing to see um how many you know just the diverse nature of it really for me is just who's attracted to it it's everyone to me um yeah. but uh, yes yeah. i love that yeah i love that you're seeing girls too because that's been my experience is like yeah. when i started the groups i assumed we'd get a bunch of boys but our first group was entirely girls we had only cool. girls reaching out specifically looking to play with other girls saying like i showed up to a club it was all boys it was fine right but like where where are the rest of us and i i do think that it's a game that can welcome a really diverse group of people Um, yeah yeah I love that so how did you think to start to get into it and associate it with your profession 
Yeah. I, I sort of like moved away from, I think this is a game that's only for my dad. Probably yeah. when I started listening to the adventure zone podcast, I love it. I do. Um, I love those guys and the, my brother, my brother, me yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Huge, I love huge them. Fan. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that podcast was sort of like my gateway into that world cool. of like, well, they sound like they're having a good time. And then I spent most of my adult life in New York City and then moved to a small town in North Carolina huh. at, when I was like 30. And so I moved and was like, I have no friends here. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody <laughs> in this town. Right. I need to meet people. Like yeah. I got to, I got to figure it out. And so I started saying yes to a lot of invitations. Like I got to try something. And I Ooh. got invited to join a campaign, a, a D&D nice. campaign. And like, I think that was when I realized a, like how beneficial it was going to be for me yeah. in my life. And also if it's helpful for me, I bet it would also be helpful for a lot of the kids that I work with who, you know, often therapists sort of with many of us work with sort of like younger versions of ourselves, ourselves yeah. 10 or 20 years ago. And I thought, man, like if this is helping me to make friends and to socialize and to get to know people in sort of a deeper way than like an awkward cocktail hour or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am sure the same is true for kids. And I, I had sort of had it at the back of my mind that D&D might be a cool thing to offer therapeutically, but had not had the nerve to like try it until the pandemic. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's then, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it was definitely the pandemic that brought it for me back. Yes. Because I was, yeah, I had, as I said, I played a little bit and I always, I read all of the, I was one of those guys who had like, I had the books, I had all the gear, but no mm-hmm. idea. Like I had all, <laughs> I mm-hmm. had everything, but I couldn't find a group. And, and then when the, when we went into lockdown, I went on to roll 20 and I've mm-hmm. been playing with those guys. These are adults for, for um, uh, about a year and a half now. It's the same group, which is amazing. They're all in the yeah. state. One of them's in Brooklyn. One's in Tennessee on and on. They're all in the U S oh, cool. except for me. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but same thing. And then I started to run it in the, the high school. And I've said this to other people before. I've, I mean, I've been working with teens in libraries, public library in Canada and the school library. But this is the first program that I've been running now for almost, I guess, two and a half, three years that they never miss a session. They never miss it. They are yeah. obsessed. And so, yeah, I mean, that kind of connection is, is so, I don't know, it's, I've, I've run so many different programs in libraries for teens. I've never had one that's this, I don't know, in, they've this embedded in it. They're obsessed in a good way. I love it. They're committed. Yeah, they're committed. taking it seriously. They're yeah. really like, really, and yeah, I, I think that's something that I've loved about working with kids too, is that if you can find the right mix and like get, get the right group culture, like, Kids yeah. are, are capable of taking things seriously, of taking their commitment seriously. They commit to each other. Like they're showing up for each other every week. And like, I think I, yeah. I, I would imagine this is true in your groups too, but there's just like a mutual understanding that we are here to be cool to each other. That like, yeah. we're not, we're not here to make people feel bad. We are here to embrace other people's weirdness. We are here to support each other. And even if there's drama in the outside world and we are yeah. not always in this like, frame of of mind that while we are here we are here to like just unconditionally accept other people and that's such a cool experience to have for you know 90 minutes a week 100 and did you because when i first when i was taking it on when you were playing did you feel um i mean it's probably amazing you probably had a good experience so that would help you carry on but did you feel over i felt completely overwhelmed i was running it and i was like yes it just felt completely overwhelming but once now that i'm in it it's easy ish, yes. but 
Yeah. Did you feel yeah. that way? <laughs> well, I've had like a horrible sense of imposter syndrome because I'm not this like born and raised like geek and like, yeah. you know, even now, like I'm sort of like a later in life, like I'm like coming into my geekdom now, but like kids will reference an anime and I'm like, I haven't watched it. And like, yeah. I didn't play Pokemon and like, I didn't, I didn't do these things. So the way that I have coped with that is that I have found friends who are much more immersed in that world and who are much more skilled DMs than I am. So like, I'm often there to offer support or to offer a therapeutic angle, but I am not running the overwhelming majority of these games. I have friends who are like my, my co-founder who started our sort of like sister business, young dragon slayers with me was like the state champion in magic, the gathering for the state of North Carolina. And when he told me that I was like, say no more. Like I found, I found the person that I need. (laughs) You, you have the credentials that I need for this. And so That has been my workaround is like, I have the enthusiasm and the passion, but I lack the technical skill to be really confident DMing. But I also know at some point, like you just have to take the leap and you have to learn it by doing it. And there are going to be times that you make mistakes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) with the students as well. I mean, it's so, um, they're so hilarious. I'm trying to, I'm taking copious notes because they make me laugh. And I think that's what I, I tell other I talk to a lot of librarians who are kind of feeling the overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I'll just say, look, if you just, you just have to, as you just said, you just have to kind of jump in. And if you're not laughing, I think something's not right. Like something's not right. If you're it, feeling stressed because it should be. Does fun. it ever feel like it takes you back to like, I don't think I laugh harder in my life than I laugh in these groups with these like middle school kids. Like you get no. that, like you're like physically in pain, just like laughing so hard I because mean, they're so funny. It, the, the title of this, podcast came from because the group has become friends that's one thing yeah. I've noticed um some of them were there was a couple that were already friends but they've become this tight-knit group now an actual like that. part yeah and they were in a situation I'm running this really um I, I've tweaked it a lot but it's like this really dark pre-written campaign the tomb of annihilation which is one of the hardest things mm-hmm. you can do um I think and um it so I've but anyway um two druids in the party one was uh shouting at another one to come up and be the meat shield for this they were in this horrible fight and he was like no i'm gonna turn into a dolphin and go into the water and of course there was this horrible creature in the water that i had to right. just snap it. and she just stood up out of her chair and said you should have been a meat shield i told you to be a meat shield you don't listen to me like they arguing these friends arguing about this situation yes. and it made me laugh so hard i had to write everything down um yeah and yeah same as what you said like I do laugh every day I'm running it I'm just laughing constantly so which is good for you in general (laughs) yes yeah yeah it's therapeutic for me to get to like just like recapture the like best part of being a middle schooler without having to actually like live through middle school again which you really could not pay me to do but like the highs are so high in middle school and I get to like be a part of that a few nights a week of really remembering like yeah absolutely there's some there's some good stuff in there uh Uh, why why do you why do you think D&D works so well though in a a therapy session in your opinion yeah I have lots I have lots of thoughts on this and I think some you know it's it's easy to start tying it into like you know psychology theories and stuff which I I can do and will do but I also think we we tend to like just neglect the therapeutic benefit of fun and play in general like play is inherently therapeutic Fun is inherently therapeutic. Getting together with people to do something that feels good is therapeutic. And I think structured, fun activities for kids are almost always going to have some amount of therapeutic benefit because it just is good for us. And a lot of us don't get enough of those sort of social 
interactive enriching experiences. Um, so one of the things that I think about a lot with D&D is this concept called behavior activation, which comes from cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. And it's kind of like the, the big technique that we use for to treat depression. And okay. during the worst of the pandemic, that is what I was seeing across the board was just depression, 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 depression. I was really taken aback. I had not expected it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, depression is caused not just by the presence of bad and stressful things in life, but by the absence of like stuff to look forward to things to that make you feel good in life. And all of these kids may not have been like directly influenced by COVID yet, but they had lost all their extracurriculars. They had lost their after-school jobs. They'd lost prom. They'd lost the school play. All of these things that when you are a kid or a teen are like monumental and the things that you look forward to all yeah. year round. And now you're just doing this drudgery of school with none of the social benefit. And I think it was particularly hard for kids who had not like found a solid friend group before quarantines right. hit lockdown hit. And now you're by yourself. And so behavior hmm. activation is this idea that when you're depressed, your brain sort of tricks you into thinking that nothing's going to be good. Nothing's going to be fun. There's no reason to get out and see people. You might as well stay home what good is going to come of this anyway, but that the more that you stay home and withdraw from the world, the worse your depression becomes. So it's this self-fulfilling. Defeatism, like defeat is just saying, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's really what you need to do to push back against that depression is to get out and do things that are social, that are creative, that feel productive and meaningful. And it doesn't have to be big stuff. It could be, you clean your room, you go out and get a cup of coffee at the corner, you call a friend on the phone, but you, you have to take that first step. And if you haven't done it in a while, it feels very hard. So with behavior activation and therapy, we schedule these things so yeah. that there's almost like a, a push to go. You're almost forcing yourself into a situation to have fun. And then you get there. And usually what happens as soon as you get there, you realize that it really is fun. And I think D and D can be a wonderful form of behavior activation for kids because it's scheduled. And there are other kids that are relying on you to be there. If you don't show up, they're uh-huh. not going to have who they need to fight that big bad tonight. Like they need you there. So there's a social yeah. pressure and it combines a lot of the elements that we know are good for these activities and that it's social, it's creative. And there's a real sense of satisfaction when you level up or you learn yeah. a new skill, right? There's chances to learn things in a way that feels really rewarding. So I think about that a lot. Hmm. Um, And as a drama therapist, I think a lot about this concept called role theory or like taxonomy of roles. Uh, There's a a drama therapist named Robert Landy who came up with this idea that we're all kind of performing different roles all the time. And I'm like a different person with you than I would be with my mom, than I would be with my son. Right. And some of us get stuck in very rigid ways of sort of presenting ourselves that limit how we socialize or make it hard to stand up for ourselves at school or hard to take risks. And that by broadening the kind of ways that we're able to interact with people, we're making it easier to get along in a wider variety of settings. And I think D and D like really is giving you a chance to step into someone else's shoes, to try out ways of being that might feel totally off limits to you in your real life and play around with them and see what happens in a world where like, yes, there are rewards and consequences, but you don't have to like take them home with you. Yeah. And I, I think what many of us are seeing who use D and D 
in therapy settings is that those skills that kids are practicing and those habits are generalizing over time. Kids are using them outside of gameplay once they get comfortable practicing them uh, on the table. That's really um, heavy and great yeah. information. <laughs> no, no, in a good way. Yeah. No, it's good because I, yeah. as you're speaking, my mind is worrying as I'm going through because obviously I'm seeing it on like a layman's level, if that makes sense. So like I'm yes. seeing them, but I'm seeing these kids who, so when we went into lockdown, like lo really strict lockdown here, like everybody did, um, I was running it almost every day on, on our school system, like uh, Microsoft Teams. And boy, if I missed a session, they, I would get an email, you know, what, where are, like, are you, or when is it going to be on again? Because sometimes I wouldn't be available, but we were running it every day. I did it over Christmas break as yeah. well for them because I felt like it was my connection to the, these students as well, in although a small section, but they were, as I said, like they were really, really keen to play. And then I would send them like a recap and they would read through and give me like feedback and stuff like that. And then when we got to play in person again, these kids that are, um, some of them, like you mentioned, ex there's some of them extremely shy in the yeah. world, quote unquote, yeah. they come in and, and it's a way to, it's also like some sort of weird empathy builder where they're putting their, oh, yeah. their feet in the, in the shoes of some other race and even yes. like completely different person, obviously or creature. And they're just coming out of their shells and acting. And it's all, I mean, I'm just witnessing it and going, this is awesome, but you just kind of like completely encapsulated it. So uh, succinctly, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, no, there's like, there are, there is like, there are like terms you can pull to legitimize it. Like what yeah, you're yeah. doing is legit. And I think it is like, sometimes you can feel like, oh man, am I really just playing Dungeons and Dragons? Like, <laughs> what am I doing here? No, it's real. Like, it's really therapeutic. You're, what you're doing is, is sound and it's, yeah. it's supported by research. We're just doing it in a more creative way in a fun Absolutely. creative way yeah. yeah and they will um and they and you you mentioned it they rely on each other they are yeah. it is such a team building exercise I kind of don't like that word in a way but um, team building but it is team building because they are um put into this situation and they uh, they have to rely on each other otherwise the whole thing falls apart so one thing that I don't allow in my sessions is any player versus player activity they don't they're not mm -hmm. allowed to, I mean there's certain leeway with it but that just gets into ridiculousness in my opinion. And I could, I'll just say there's plenty of other games out there you can do where you just, where you just wail on each other, beat each yeah. other up. You are, you are together in this horrible situation. It's like they're in this dungeon that is six levels deep. And it is one of the, considered one of the hardest things in D and D apparently, which I didn't realize till I unleashed it on them. And it's so <laughs> ridiculous anyway, but they are, anyway they they're almost done because we're going to be the school year here in the uk goes to the end of july so we are oh, wow yeah it's long but yeah. we're going going through but um switching gears a bit how does it so how does a dnd therapy session work you know for you yeah i can speak to it for me i do think because it's such an emerging field that probably a lot of people would have somewhat yeah. different answers but for Absolutely. me like if you were watching our game I think it looks a lot like a normal game. Like sure. we're not, there's not a lot of like pausing and going above table to talk and process stuff. And I personally have never had good luck being really explicit with like, oh, today we're teaching X skill in the game. It just all, oh, like yeah. any, it yeah. dies. It just starts <laughs> to feel very after school special and like the fun gets sucked <laughs> out of the room. And then like, what are we doing here? So I, you know, everything that we do tends to be very like, 
based in the game, worked, you know, baked into the storyline kind of stuff. And it's more about like yeah. passively learning skills than actively saying today we're highlighting this. Um, what yeah. might be slightly different, although I think is, is something that we're seeing more and more in D&D games, is that we do set some boundaries around things to make the game feel safe. Mm-hmm. So like you, you know, we also have like a no murder hobo rule. Like you yeah. can't play a character who's just here to like, you know, screw everybody else destroy, over and exactly. destroy us. We can't do it. There's an expectation that the party is going to work together and they might bicker and they might disagree, but we're not going to actively try to mess each other up. Uh, And we say, you know, players can, characters might critique other characters if it makes sense with the character you're playing, but players do not critique other players' choices because we want there to be permission for people to try things that might not be the most logical thing or that they might not do in real life. We want to give people permission to make mistakes in the game. Um, we also usually set, we, we usually ask early on about potentially triggering content. Are there things this group would like to avoid? And we, we use some sort of a system in all of our groups to indicate how people are feeling, whether that's sort of like a red light, yellow light, green light system, or, you know, uh, different DMs have different preferences on this, but we all have some sort of framework for how can kids communicate if we've hit a limit that they don't feel great about. Um, I would say they're rarely used in game and that if kids feel uncomfortable using them, they can always also just private message and say like, Hey, I don't love this, but I think it's good to have, have the framework there regardless. Um, So we have that and, you know, we have explicit rules just about accepting people of all backgrounds. Um, And then in our games, I will often speak with the DM about like individual needs of individual players and what do do we think would be helpful for them to work on and how do we build opportunities to do that into the storyline of the game and sometimes Mm -hmm. kids are are explicitly brought into that like we had a a kid recently who struggles with public speaking or with like organizing their thoughts in a way that is is clear and it has made it hard for them to speak up in in character in gameplay and we were like what if your character had a chance to deliver a speech or to have to convince somebody but you had a time to prep this in advance like you could do it over the week and bring it in so that you have a chance to feel prepared Um, sometimes we will recruit kids to do that but often it's it's sort of us in the background being like you know what what do we think this group needs right now and how do we throw this at them in game in a way that feels true to the story. Um, the only explicit thing that we really do is that I will, I get to award inspiration points in our therapeutic games right. instead of the DM for goals yeah. that I would like to see the kids achieve, whether that's, you know, altruism. Like if you do something to help somebody else out, you right. both get an inspiration point. Or if I see somebody really, you know, assert themselves, you get an inspiration point or teamwork. If you work together yeah. on your turns to do something in combat. So I can target things explicitly that way that are positive, yeah. but anything more than that. And I think the, the players start to feel us imposing yeah. our will on the game and that never ends well. No. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's also chances for like consequences in game of like, if our players are bickering in front of an NPC for 10 minutes and mm-hmm. like they can't figure out what to say, the NPC will leave and not give yeah. them their quest. They're like, I, this is weird <laughs> for me. You're fighting. You clearly don't know what you want. I'm going back to my hut. I'll see you tomorrow and we Hilarious. can talk then. But like, it's not yeah. a video game, right? There's a real human being there. Exactly. Speaking that to you. Consequences. So, yeah. 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 Small, small consequences. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, exactly. I have um, they have a my guys have a guide, an NPC guide, and he's supposed to be paid five gold a day, and he hasn't been ha- he hasn't had it lately, and he's not happy. So I'm rolling um, like I'm rolling like loyalty dice to see yeah acting, and they sometimes they don't treat him so well. So I do have some things where he leads them astray, or he's kind of rough with them, gruff with them, I should say, and yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so have you noticed? impact right away or is it something that you're noticing over like a long period of time i mean i know you've been running it a while yeah. now so um yeah how, how have you kind of like gauged it's i know it's hard to gauge it i'm sure but um, it is but um did you notice like a, a need for it right away like a like a need for the games right yeah, away in like, the pandemic or yeah, yeah just like a like a was it was it busy right away for people signing up people wanting yes. to play yeah i can yes. imagine yeah. It was. And that scared me a little bit because to my mind, this was going to be like a fun six session pandemic activity that we would run once or twice. And then it yeah. would be all done and they would meet for, you know, those six times and then go their separate ways. And like, I'm not really a and d therapist. That's silly. That's not a real job, you know? <laughs> so I had set my expectations very small and yeah. yeah, the groups, the groups filled up right away. And one of our first groups is still playing together now, you know, wow. maybe plus or minus a player or two, yeah. there was a little bit of turnover, but they once the kind of core group found their stride, we haven't had anybody leave. And I'm sort of stunned that they're still they're on their second campaign now. They're playing Curse wow. of Strahd. And they, nice. they seem to have no intention of of splitting up. Like they have committed <laughs> to each other to play this game. Um and yeah, we continue to get inquiries. So it started out being just my friend Zach and I, and we've now brought on two additional DMs to run games for us. Amazing. And I'm, you know, getting a handful of inquiries a week from people yeah. looking for opportunities to play. Um, Amazing. So and is it all, all online? Do you use um, Roll20 yeah. or, yeah? We use yeah. Roll20 and D&D Beyond sort of depending right. on, on yeah. DM preference. Um, it's all online. I would love to have an in-person game at some point, but I think I know. that has to wait until I feel really comfortable DMing and then I can like yeah. bring, bring that in. Um, no, I know. That, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, it is fun. It is, it is, it is different. It's weird. Um, there's a lot of, just in a school library, there's a lot of distractions. I'm sure it wouldn't be, oh. but it's fun. I mean, it's, it's so fun in online, uh, online and in person, but uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a different kind of, um, I don't know, different feel obviously when you're in yeah. person, but uh, we get a lot of dogs on the zoom calls. Like that's a real common, <laughs> there's a lot of dogs, just a lot that's of cool. dogs on the calls, <laughs> which is fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, do you have any favorite moments from any of your own personal sessions or campaigns or anyone yeah. you've seen? Anything at all? I mean, if you need time to think, I can share one of ours. And yeah, then... please share one of yours. <laughs> I would love to hear. Um, we have a we have a warlock in the in the campaign, and they are one of the, I would say in real life one of the more quieter students, and mm-hmm. um, the, and so they but they they love the warlock, and they're really I sit down with them to help them kind of work out spells and things like that because warlocks are quite different and they're a bit you think that they're not so good with spell slots but they've got so many other things going on but anyway she acquired a wand of wonder which is this really i don't know if you've ever come across it but it's Mm -hmm. very when you use it you have to roll a d100 and just see what happens oh my goodness and the list is ridiculous there's all these different things that can happen you can cast fireball on yourself (laughs) you can oh no you can make you can make flowers come out the end of the wand. You can make it grass grow, whatever you point at. Yeah. Any so many different things, and they were really run down. They're in this tomb, and they were really in trouble. Um, and one of the other players just decided to go through this door, and they were they shouldn't have. And the whole idea of this 
this one room is that the ground is is the floor is completely so slippery that anybody steps on it you have to roll a dex save and or slip and fall and it's got this it's got a, a beholder in the 50 foot in the top and he's tough so yeah. he goes in he slips he falls he slides across the thing they go in they go in and they're now and they're in the fight with a beholder and they are already really really low and i'm like oh gosh i have to like i have to nerf this thing a bit i don't want to tpk yeah. going to tpk there's no other way around it <laughs> there's a magnetic ball in the middle of the room that anyone fails the strength save. i think oh, they, get, no. they, get, they get thrown into the ball and they, anyway it's, it's chaos yeah and as she's slipping across the floor she goes i'm just going to use the wand of wonder and they're just going no they're all yelling please don't <laughs> and she rolls a 99 <gasps> which means i have to roll a constitution save or be instantly turned to stone, and I roll oh the natural, and I roll a natural one <gasps> right off the bat, and the thing just falls from the ceiling and oh. lands, it shatters the mirror floor, and they are literally out of their seats cheering because they thought yeah. they were done. Um, anyway, that was a good moment, and she and it was so happy, yeah, um, and it was such a cool moment for her to save the day in that way because usually she's kind of quiet, like I said, she kind of like she's very very cautious with her character and stuff and yeah. it's just yeah but anyway I, I still think about it yeah I loved it <laughs> <laughs> um I would say I mean I think from like a like kind of like touching or like heartwarming yeah. standpoint there have been yeah. several times in game where we've had players come out to other players yeah. change their pronouns in session wow. talk about like relationships or breakups and bring that in and talk about that at the start of the game that I love to see and like every single time somebody has brought something vulnerable in like there's always that moment where you kind of hold yeah. your breath and you're just like I think it's going to go fine but gosh I hope I'm right and it yeah. always they're always met with you know just like the just the best response that I think if you're the kind of person that's willing to like you know, embody a, a, a dragonborn sorcerer. You're pretty flexible about like, I will, I will call you by this name that you, you want me to call you. And people are right. really accepting and, and wonderful. So that's been great. But oh, as yeah. far as like funny moments, yeah. uh, one of our campaigns is running Strahd right now. <laughs> right. One of our games is running Strahd and it's like a, a very serious and dark yes. campaign. These kids are a little older now. They've been with us a while. Yeah. And they were at Old Bone Grinder, which is the like big windmill in Strahd, yeah. fighting some bad guys down right. below. And they're <laughs> they're up on the windmill and the big bad of the fight is below them. And they're just like, it's just not going great. And, you know, they're, they're down a player that day. We've got to figure out what to do. And there's a druid in the party who's like, I'm going to summon. I'm going to summon some animals. And we were like, right. oh okay right. <laughs> like what are you going to summon it? <laughs> and she summoned a swarm of six beavers amazing and we were like great and she That's... had the the beavers gnaw off wow. one of the arms of the windmill to fall so smart on on the guy below of course rolled very well yeah mushed the man yeah and yeah. Then they just had these spectral beavers that they named <laughs> yes. and they spent the rest of the session just sort of like bonding with. Yeah. Um, and that was just a really beautiful, <laughs> beautiful I moment mean, for us. That's what I love. You just, they're so hilarious. You, I have no clue. They surprise me with stuff like hey, that's the yeah. best, isn't it? When they surprise you with that yeah. cool stuff. And now they've got a team of beavers that they're going to name. And, yeah. Yeah, two attack. died tragically. We had to like have a funeral for them. They were killed in action, and then the rest right. like I think they only lived for like an hour, and then they kind of go back into the ether. So we had to say goodbye. Um, oh gosh. That, yeah, the animal companions I think are really my favorite part. We've got a player yeah. who has like five crabs that she calls the incrabables that like she carries around everywhere. That is awesome. 
you that gotta, is, yeah. You gotta have a good like party pet. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, it's been great to talk to you, and it's been really uplifting and really great to hear all these um, positive, um, in, the positive <laughs> impact of this game, this strange and wonderful game. <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's nice to remember sometimes that as silly and as goofy as it gets, like no, it is really beneficial. Like it's yeah. it's, it's really enriching for these kids and and good yeah. and you can also you know summon your horde of of crabs or whatever and that's <laughs> yeah. still okay yeah i want to thank you again for taking the time to join us join us tonight. thank you so much thank yeah you. i really appreciate it this is such a cool I'm, I'm so excited to know that this podcast is here now um <laughs> yeah. and to hear about the work that you're doing and so i can't wait to see what you get up to next thank you so much and take yeah. care thank Bye. you